Hello listeners, Ellie Kent, editor of New Mandala here, to introduce you to another in our series of podcasts on the Philippines Beyond Cliché. This is the fourth episode in the second series created by New Mandala's former Philippines editor, Dr. Nicole Curato. So if you're a first-time listener, there is plenty more for you to explore on our SoundCloud station. Or you can subscribe to New Mandala podcasts on iTunes. Welcome back, Nicole. The issue at hand in today's episode must be one you look at a lot in your work at University of Canberra's Centre for Deliberative Democracy and Global Governance. This one's about populist voters. In this episode, you're speaking to Wataru Kusaka from the University of Nagoya. Wataru Kusaka, to me, is one of the most exciting scholars on Philippine politics and society today. So Wataru was the keynote speaker in the Philippine Sociological Society's annual conference last year. And we recorded this episode in the sidelines of that conference uh, held at the Central Mindanao University. And in this short chat, Wataru and I talked about how the supporters of President Duterte constructed his image as a folk hero. And he explains to us why this persona is an important consideration, why people support him. Um, It's a fascinating conversation, not only because of Wataru's extensive ethnographic work in the Philippines, Um, Sometimes I think his Tagalog is much better than mine, and certainly his Bisaya is much better than mine. Um, But I think one of the episode's highlights is Wataru's openness to share some biographical backstory that led him to express sympathy and understanding to the so-called stupid voters in the Philippines. So I hope our listeners enjoy this conversation. Okay, let's start. So... The cliche we're unpacking is populist voters are deluded voters. So we're all familiar with derogatory terms attached to massa voters as bobotante or stupid voters. So Wataru has conducted extensive ethnographic research with urban poor communities in Manila and Leyte and has critical insight to share to smash this stereotype. So hello, Wataru. Thank you for joining us. We are still in Bukidnon for the Philippine Sociological Society's annual conference. And I just basically kidnapped you to do this podcast with me. Um, so thank you, thank you for thank joining Thank you so us. much for this opportunity. So I think we should start the question that is both normative and empirical. So mm. when we talk about uh, the Philippines or other countries, um, first, do you think there's such thing as a stupid voter? Is there a stupid voter in Japan, for example? Actually, there's a discourse of stupid voters, of course, but I don't think uh, stupid voter is a kind of discourse of othering, right? If you do not like uh, particular political idea or politician, you like to other. So it's a very effective discourse of othering to delegitimize others. You do not so like. who others whom? Okay, so for instance, the liberals. Uh, I, I, think I, I think I belong to the liberals in Japan. Yeah. Uh, hate uh, Prime Minister Abe. He's ultra right wing, and those who fanatically support Prime Minister Abe. So we call them like Neto Uyo. Neto Uyo. Neto Neto is net internet. Uh-huh. Uyo is right wing. So they are very much active. So it's kind of a uh, term. So, so the liberals uh, illegitimize supporters of LDP and Prime Minister Abe as Neto Uyo. Mm. So the conservatives or nationalists, they uh, delegitimize liberals as, uh, what's that? Uh, I forgot the term. Uh, yeah. They have the time. So there is such, like, like DDS, Dilawang, we also have the time of othering to right. legitimize others. But of course, I think in the context of the Philippines, mm. you're one of the best persons to ask about the stupid voter mm. in the Philippines mm. because there's, 
a tendency that I really, really dislike mm. of associating stupid voters mm. with poor voters. Mm. And I say that you're one of the best people to ask about this okay, because you spent so much time mm. in urban poor communities okay, okay. in Quezon City, and then you also spent a lot of time in Leyte, in okay. Albuera. And these are supporters who voted for um, Joseph Estrada, mm. for Rodrigo Duterte, mm. and it's so easy to dismiss them as stupid voters. So mm. what can you tell us about But this? I have never encountered a person who, 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 I mean, who admit they vote their vote to a particular position. I have never encountered such a So I received money, but I vote with my family, or my belief. So that's a typical answer. I have never encountered people who admit I sold my vote. Mm -hmm. So which suggests uh, people are still, again, people said that uh, a selling vote is just like selling, selling yourself, you know, so personal, your personality. So it's a kind of affront uh, of your dignity. So people never admit it. So that's my understanding. People do not admit they sold the vote. So they are not stupid. They always uh, emphasize we are not stupid. This decision is out of my uh, calculation as to my rational uh, 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 consideration. That's the typical answer, I think. And this is part of the moral politics mm. of the poor that you're talking about mm. in your fantastic book. So mm. tell us about that distinction between the morality or calculations of poor voters mm. versus the elites, the liberals, the middle classes. Mm. Mm. I think what I really like about the book is it's so brave mm. in criticizing civil society uh, groups yeah. who claim to be <laughs> the enlightened people who will bring democracy uh, to the Philippines. And then your book says there's this resistance from the poor uh, that that morality does not necessarily work. Uh, Tell uh, us about this project. Uh, perhaps it's because of my actually commonality with, actually, I share the kind of sense of uh, marginalization and shame with poor because of my English. I, previously, I tried to study at UP Griman, but I eventually dropped out because of my English. Fluency, so I couldn't understand what students and teachers discussing. So I withdrew in the Scotta community, where which was much comfortable for me because nobody spoke English. Mm. So I shared this kind of uh, sense of shame together with them. So I had so so I'm always on the side of the poor. So I encountered with any, many NGOs which try to enlighten them. So I was on the side. So the NGO people, maybe. People thought me as a kind of strange people. Why? <laughs> no, so uh, anyway, so um, yeah, yeah. So I was just not comfortable with kind of discourses of, um, of NGOs and middle class. Yeah. So just so perhaps it's a kind of uh, my my uh, reflection, of my sense of alienation or kind of frustration. I don't know. Right. But it's very much personal, actually. Right. It's personal. Mm. I just. Could, I was not just able to relate myself to the enlightening discourses. Mm. Mm. Because of course it's such a popular discourse, especially during election time, mm. for voter education programs mm. to surface, mm. to teach the poor not to sell the votes, mm. which you're mm. very critical of as a concept. Mm. You're also critical of yeah, trying to teach the poor how to vote mm. properly. So mm. can you tell us a bit about your project dealing with poor people, how they're able to justify the mm. votes that they make? Okay, so they, are, they have some criteria to judge because there are so many um, politicians coming to poor area in election time, right? So they have to figure out who are really good candidates. So they have several criteria like Madeline Malapitan, my, 
approachable. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, oh sorry, pantai yeah. pantai sa tiging, so equality, so equality, yeah. and also matulugi. So they have several, I mean, criteria, but okay. they judge uh, politicians in terms of, uh, uh, so uh, kind of range. I mean, uh, you know, so so if politician support people belong to his faction, so it's not good politician. So even though you do not belong to the faction of the politician, if you get help from the politician, that politician is good. Mm. Because politician helps not only, so it's more general, right? So it's coming from his, his uh, compassion kind of say, yeah. and, and sympathy. And also when they receive support, those who provide support just be immediately before the election are not good politicians, according to them. Yeah, yeah. So they have so the timing and kind of coverage. Mm, is a uh, two criteria for them to distinguish who is a good politician or not. But of course, if I were to respond to that analysis, mm. one criticism of people from democratic theory, for example, mm. would be to say compassion mm. is not a democratic virtue. Mm. Compassion is built on the idea that someone is more powerful, mm. bestowing care to someone less powerful, mm. whereas democratic politics is about the people holding powerful people mm. into account. So how do you respond to those criticisms that compassion should not determine how we uh, do come power. On, come again. There's this disconnect with power. If mm. you pick someone compassionate, mm. you just legitimize the power inequality. Mm. That's why Democrats or Democrats, democratic mm. theorists don't like compassion as a concept. So how do you respond to that criticism? Because apparently you're justifying that it's okay that the poor like compassionate politicians. Mm. Or is compassion an equally good value mm, in democracy? Uh, because we have, we should have more criteria to judge a leader's capacity, not only kind of econo I mean, education background, but also kind of braveness or compassion. Mm. Right? There should be more uh, capacities which we can look at. Right. <laughs> right. Not only so. Perhaps we have so much limited uh, characteristic or necessary characteristics of elites. Yeah. I think we need, It's also possible to. Uh, expand. I right. think what, what kind of uh, characteristic is needed for I mean leaders. Right. Mm. And it's yes because yeah usually with voter education programs it's about check the policy, yeah. check the educational uh, record, record, record experience, mm. and this always happens when we talk about politicians like uh, mm. Nancy Vinay mm. or mm. or um, newcomers in politics like Manny Pacquiao. Mm. It it puzzles a lot of people mm. why the poor people vote for them and mm. they have no track record. Mm. And your work will tell us that it's mm. because they have other qualities mm. that Filipinos like. Mm. Yeah, I think so, I think so. Right. Mm. But of course, um, your more recent work, moving mm. from mm. your work um, in urban poor communities mm. in Manila and Leyte, is about President Duterte's mm. appeal. Mm. And I think you wrote, you wrote about it in the Philippine Sociological mm. Review, so describing him as having a bandit-like morality. Mm. What do you mean by this? Ah, okay, so, okay, okay, so my, okay, so, all right, so it's, it's about, some, many of my informants describe, describe Duterte as a folk hero. Folk hero. Folk hero, so yeah. I was so fascinated with the idea, not only farmers, but also intellectual, middle class people, they describe Duterte as a kind of folk hero. So, which stimulated my idea, no, like folk, um, folk heroes in the Philippines, like Lardo Puti, Gashon Salonga. Right. So, but uh, in previous time, it was a popular movie which constructed, no, which like uh, Estrada playing a Shonsa Longa. So nowadays, it was SNS which constructed it as a social bandit. But my question is that why now? Uh, 
why in this 21st century mm. this kind of people like this kind of social violence like leaders my idea my understanding is that has because of this neo in this neoliberal society is the state doesn't function right state doesn't guarantee subsistence or success, I mean, even security of the people so people need other power which can be this I don't know, more in, uh, it, instead of impersonal uh, rule of the law or state of institutions people want kind of very much personal patriarchal mm. figures so I think yeah, it makes sense why this kind of old stories uh, you know, emerge in this 21st century. Right. Because state doesn't function. Right. So mm. he's, what is it, offering something mm. new or something old. that people have long been waiting for? Uh, it's very old, old, but in new context. Right. Mm. How would you compare President Duterte from President Estrada, ah, for okay. example? Yeah, actually, in my book, I emphasize a kind of class antagonism between the middle class and the poor, but now we don't see it. Rather, uh, antagonism is uh, structured. So actually, I think that it's more emerging middle, I mean, middle class. It's the, some of the poor is also included in this emerging lower middle class. Mm. In case of Duterte, uh, Estrada, it's a class antagonism, right? Yes. But in case of Duterte, it's a cross class, right? Yes. So he he transcends class antagonism. So, oh, yes. so it's a, it has so I think in 2010, a new Philippine majority is created, constructed. Those who are struggling in this neoliberal economy, mm. those who finish higher education, so there, uh, so maybe upper poor is included. No one, so you know, so they finish college, they are uh, like working in call center or shop, working in a call, shopping mall. So, so they have become a kind of majority. In case of in the time of Estrada, the poor was a majority. So, so you can see kind of because of economic development, so this frustrated emerging class has appeared. Yeah. They transcend the class. So they antagonize the uh, bottom of the society, my criminals, yeah. and they antagonize the top of the society, elites. So it's cross-class populism. It's somehow related with the change of Philippine economy, I think. Which is peculiar mm. to Duterte because it's not unique that Actually, Estrada is the only exception mm. where he has a class-based mm. support. Because yeah. if we look at survey data, mm. um, a lot of presidents are not defined by class-based support, mm. right? It's mm. usually regional. Mm. It's usually, um, yeah, there's no class antagonism. Mm. But Estrada mm. personified that mm. class antagonism. Mm. So my misunderstanding is that I was thinking this continues, but it ended in 2010. So I was so surprised. The perhaps it's related to the development of the Philippine economy. Right. So now majority of Filipinos are maybe you know, so growing number of Filipinos are going to college, they finish, but yeah. they are still uh, limited in terms of social mobilization. Yeah. Mm. Your um, research also deals with how the drug war is experienced mm. in local communities, particularly mm. in mm. Albuera. Mm. Can you tell us about um, your findings in that research project? And of course, this is the topic of your talk here mm. at the Philippine Sociological mm. Society okay. conference. So what struck me is that um, previously people were poor, but um, you know, so it was very feudal agricultural society. So they are coconut farmers, even though they work hard, it's not rewarded. So more important thing is strengthening mutuality. So mutuality is the most important thing. Actually, I really liked it. But nowadays, people are now 
we can get more individualistic and also there are, there are groups structured by microfinance or for peace so they emphasize discipline discipline so they alienate you know, uh, 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 no, uh, exclude or kind of marginalize uh, uh, those who you those who like to drink, those who like to gamble. So you know, previously society was much more inclusive. Even you are bad people, they are still member of the state because human relationship, everything. So it was not uh, justified to eliminate even bad people. So we, it's actually it's limited with your argument, right? People somehow deal uh, drug users, drug related problem within family and community, right? Yeah, it's privatized. In a pri privatized way. So because they need to, even but they were not able to cut a relationship, even bad people previously. Yeah. But now people are justifying elimination of bad people from community. So I think this is a big, big, big uh, change of Philippine society. Hmm. So where do you think this is headed? Um, I, it's, it's easy to say um, that this is a very troubling development. We are seeing a lot of human rights violations. Mm. We are seeing a lot of more than 20,000 mm. people mm. dead. Mm. Um, and yet, what you're telling me is that you also observed that because of the changing character of Philippine society, yes, a exactly. lot of people are also okay, kind of complicit with yes, this situation. Yes. Actually, within, actually, I have been visiting Philippines for 20 years. But I think Philippines very rapidly getting similar to Japanese society. So in Japan, those who are not contribute to economy are somehow uh, justified to be eliminated. So you know, so not killed. Not killed. Not killed, but uh, they don't have social space to live. Right. Okay. So stigmatized. Stigmatized. Very much stigmatized. Yeah. Yes. And uh, lots of people dying alone. Yeah. So people do not notice. So there are so many people. And there are many cases of suicide. Those who are stigmatized in society, they don't have social space, they don't have recognition. Yeah. Many people commit suicide out of it. Right. So, you know, so I think in the Philippines, the, the case of suicide is also increasing. I don't know. So anyway, so it's, Philippines has become kind of stress society like Japan. Oh, wow. So, when did you realize this? Was this just post-Duterte? Yeah, maybe uh, in the, since the beginning of 2010, so maybe because of the change of economic structure, people are now working under more rigid description. So they are, the, uh, previously people are free to decide their working time. If you're a farmer or a fisherman, a street vendor, you could decide your, your working time. If you are tired, you uh, you just uh, take rest. But nowadays people have to go to office by this time, wear this uniform, you can go to a uh, toilet, maybe it's three times a day, blah, blah, blah. So there are so many job description. It's so stressful. You don't have autonomy. It's so stressful society. I think this stress has become a foundation of kind of resentment against the undisciplined, the criminals or drug users, pushers, etc. Or come, come by, come by, come by as yes. well. I, I, because one of the most fascinating aspects of your work, mm. work is it's ethnographic. Mm. You really live with these mm. communities mm. to understand. Mm the way they think. Mm. But of course, I also know you mentioned earlier about your politics, that mm. you're a bit more liberal in your thinking. Mm. So I'm very curious, like, mm. as an ethnographer, how mm. do you deal with mm -hmm. responses of respondents that mm. don't um, match with mm. what you believe in? How mm. do you deal with that? Yeah, okay. Uh, many people cr would criticize me as uh, I'm just uh, uh, excusing Duterte or Estrada supporters as well. But I think um, what I'm trying to do is to, to give concrete name or 
face or because we tend to criticize abstract in abstract right they you like to construct others and you try to eliminate others as abstract but uh, but in reality they have faces they have names they have concrete background right so I would like to approach it because you cannot deliberate with abstract others so what I'm trying to do is perhaps uh, changing abstract others into concrete others so that we can deliberate with them. Right. Yes. Mm. You can't deliberate with somebody you can't see or yes, you can't imagine. Yes, yes, yes. And I yes. think that's the very power of your ethnographic work. Mm. Um, how did civil society organizations respond to your book, Moral Politics in the Philippines, which is very critical of social movements, yeah, well, urban poor movements in the Philippines? Yeah, actually, um, I was afraid maybe, I, I was thinking that maybe many middle class or NGO people dislike my book. <laughs> Uh, but I haven't yet received such uh, comments yet, so it seems they are accepting it. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I want to ask them why I, they can accept it. I don't know. Because it's a, it's a powerful critique on how mm. movements that are supposed to work for the poor mm. are actually too judgmental mm. of the poor. At least that's, mm. that's my reading of it. Mm -hmm. So I also find it very mm. brave, a very brave approach. Mm. Um, because there's a tendency to say Philippine democracy is driven by the robust mm. and dense networks of civil society. Mm organizations and here you are mm. giving a critique to these mm. organizations mm. because yeah <laughs> thank you so much yeah so, so mm. yeah go ahead yes yes because i am so i think it's it's dangerous to i mean construct abstract others or try to eliminate others or destroy others no actually it's also happening in japan we uh demonize kind of korea nowadays korea so Many Japanese people criticize Koreans, even though they never had opportunity to talk with Korean friends. So many, many things, similar things, same thing, exactly the same thing is happening in Korea. Many Koreans dislike Japan without having opportunity, without having Japanese friends, you know? Mm. So they just construct kind of uh, Koreans as enemy, Japanese as enemy. So it's a very abstract war, but it has strong power. This kind of uh, hate is actually supporting Prime Minister Abe in Japan, mm. right? So they uh, mobilize the hate and resentment. So to, to overcome this, I mean, uh, situation, maybe uh, we have to, I mean, really go into, uh, I mean, talk with concrete others. So that's what I want to do, because it's which enables us to kind of dialectics, right? So A, B, C, right? Yes. So now we remain at the kind of resentment, no, a kind of uh, antagonism at this level. So it doesn't lead to dialectics. So it's just very disjointed. Yes, the way yes. Conversation just divided, is, yes. divided. The way politics mm. in the Philippines yeah, so, is happening. So I want these uh, differences can create dialectics, which can bring us to another possibility. Mm. I think before we conclude, I mm. I would imagine it's very interesting for mm. our listeners mm. why you why you've remained so committed to studying the Philippines. You because said I, you've studied it for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I liked because I didn't like, I was saved by the Philippines. I didn't like to live in, the, in Japan because, you know, so it's so stressful. There are so many disciplines and so many, uh, you feel like you are part of the machine, no? So that kind of pressure for conformity is so strong. If you are out of this system, you are stigmatized. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I can breathe in Japan. After exposing the Philippines, I feel, oh, this is a taste of freedom. <laughs> I can breathe really? in the Philippines. So without encountering with Philippines, I could have died in Japan. I could have been depressed. So I feel I was very much saved by the Philippines. So 
So I'm very happy. I'm pretty much happy to be able to encounter with the Philippines. But I, I'm afraid that Filipino is now, I mean, losing this kind of inclusiveness, mutuality. Philippines now uh, prefer to expose discipline, the freedom to freedom. So, so I'm so shocked by this change. Yeah. So I hope Filipinos still retain kind of mutuality for uh, compassion for others. Uh, <laughs> that's my uh, kind of. Colonial. <laughs> That's your um, outsider. Outsider, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're uh, not really an outsider to the uh, Philippines. I mean, your Visaya is much better than uh, mine. It's kind of, but somehow orientalistic <laughs> uh, hope. Uh, orientalist hope, I think. Uh, but it's a, such a it's such a fair appeal. Okay, so, so I think, Wataru, in conclusion, let's go back to the cliche mm. that basically structured this entire conversation. Mm. So, are populist voters deluded voters? No, 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 no. It's dangerous. It's just divide the society, and it's it's uh, it's just uh, so instead of describing them, recognize them as deluded voters, please try to find, try to talk with concrete others. You can talk even though you don't share same idea, same morality. Even though you disagree, you can talk. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Thank uh, you, Thank Ataru. you so much.